0: Welcome to Mental Radio, where we talk about mental health from a holistic perspective. I'm your host, Jesse Zookman. Our co-host, Dr. Broderick Sawyer, will be with us momentarily. Um, But before we get to the conversation, just wanted to introduce you to the topic today, which is avoiding burnout and thriving in a time of activism, even for people who are dealing with mental health challenges. How do you do it? What do you need? What do we need? What do we need to do? What do we need not to do? How much can we push? How much do we need to rest? Is it okay to rest? Uh, when do we know if it's if we're doing enough? What are just some basic protective things that we can do to make our activism more uh, effective um, and less uh, prone to burnout? Uh, that's what this conversation is all about. And before we get to it, if you'd like to support this podcast, please share. Subscribe and share, share, share. iTunes, Spotify, they do a really bad job at, uh, at promoting the podcast. So the way that we can kind of get to the next hurdle and really get this podcast heard is by having the people who like what we're doing share it with uh, their friends and family um, and just sharing it on their social feeds. Tag me, Jesse Zuckman. Tag Broderick Sawyer. And, uh, and yeah, we'll say hi, and uh, I'll follow you. Uh, Maybe Dr. Broderick will follow you. I don't know. He's just a little bit more selective in who he follows. But I will follow you tag us, uh, hang out with us. Um, And if you'd like to get involved and support further, you can check us out mentalhealthmedia.org. And like all of our podcasts, important to say this is not medical advice or medical care, you need to talk to your medical healthcare professional. Uh, Before making any changes whatsoever to your treatment plan or really doing anything at all with your mental health care. Um, That said, let's get this show on the road. I bring you Dr. Broderick Sawyer. And we are here with Dr. Broderick Sawyer. Dr. Broderick, I really want to take a moment today to talk about how our listeners um, can thrive during this time of, uh, during this time where everyone's trying to pitch in to make a difference. You know, uh, I've been hearing from a lot of people this week. Some people are feeling guilty that they can't do enough while they're managing mental health struggles. I have friends that are, uh, nervous that they are doing too much and they're going to burn out. Um, you know, there's people that don't know what to do, but I wanted to set aside some time just to address the concern of people who are... Um, maybe they just started a road of recovery in their, in their mental health challenges. Maybe they have mastery, um, you know, maybe they've just started, you know, maybe they just got into therapy and at the same time, they want to make a difference and they want to know what's appropriate, how to do it and how to not beat themselves up about it. It's Mm. a lot of things to talk about.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah,
0: (laughs) I don't want to overwhelm you. (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh no 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 i <laughs> overwhelm myself so it's it's okay <laughs> so um you know i guess i will just start with you know one of the things that i see on twitter all the time not only in this moment but in many moments is people who want to make a difference in the world i see very often that they feel like they can't turn off twitter they can't turn off television and yet every mental health stream i've seen in the last week which is many uh, many of these streams are hosted by people of color who are activists who are working for progress the first the number one thing that i hear is turn off the tv when you have to and some people are doing activist work without watching barely any television they're just like getting cliff notes What is your opinion? Can people make a difference and still have limited news intake? And why is
1: that important or not? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, like with anything, first we need to assess what it actually is. What is the news? Um, So the news uh, doesn't describe what's happening uh, for many people. Um, as far as like just boots on the ground. So news can be very much out of touch uh, with reality. Uh, So in that way, we need to assess whether or not, oh, I want to stay informed, right? Or, oh, I want to, you know, be up to date on very, be up to date on whose reality, okay? Um, And when it comes to activism, I think it's most important to be up to date on your own emotional reality, like where you're at. Because if you are on the verge of burning out and you're not aware of that, and then you jump into action or jump in with organizers uh, and make a mistake or aren't as fresh, um, then you're sort of limiting your capacity. So we always want to consider just energetically. Um, when I watch the news, how do I feel afterwards? How do I feel during? Does it beat me down? Does it make me feel guilty or bad? Um, Because they're showing select things. What they're not showing you on the news is maybe the folks who are uh, you know, donating food to various places. What they're not showing, um, you know, all the, uh, my sister's a teacher, they're not showing the teachers behind the scene who are compiling lists of uh, black specific pieces of literature for their middle school classes. So just because the news is promoting a certain kind of activism or action um, or are pushing some sort of narrative about what is going on, um, ultimately, Ultimately, that's not the only view. It is a view that happens to be the one that is televised. So really, um, like with most things I say, really about anything, uh, it starts with questioning reality. Whose reality is that? Um, I-, I was watching, uh, was it, um, maybe it was uh, Cornell West, I believe, um, and he was talking in a very impassioned speech, you know, to um, uh, Anderson Cooper. I believe it was on CNN, and he's talking about uh, the, I believe it was um, George Floyd's uh, funeral, um, and he was talking about the power uh, of just love, and he was talking a lot about how black people, you know, you, you talk about around the world, just globally, uh, how how just marginalized they have been for so long, and he was praising how forgiving black people were. So now, he's an older black fellow, Right, They're they're in a church, you know, and I think sometimes the national news media, while uh, those things that he said were certainly touching and certainly true, that's only one part of the story. What about the younger activists who are out there who are just kind of pissed and they're done with racism? What about the ones who are, um, you know, out in their communities trying to uh, just build up um, the, the you know marginalized communities rather than uh, sort of tearing down the status quo that's just as important work but it's not televised right. it's not televised like that uh, so we can't really look to news media to validate us because they're only telling one part of the story um, so just because I'm not listening you know, to Cornell Cornel West talking about forgiveness and love because I'm, I don't feel that way. If I'm looking at him saying those things, I have the right to say, well, I don't feel that way. Or if I see a bunch of people going to protest, but maybe I say I have uh, social anxiety and can't be in crowds or have a, a trauma background and can't be in a loud space like that, um, I can't look to, you know, others who can do those things to validate my reality, And also, even for myself, you know, personally, I'll disclose a little bit. um, I'm hesitant to actually go out there and expose myself potentially to COVID. So my activism is really in spreading knowledge. It's in analyzing situations. It's, um, I just forwarded uh, an edited little fact sheet to local organizers on how to prevent burnout um, with just various resources. I'm a, a part of different healing circles. I'm doing circles, I'm doing a bunch of talks and things like that. So arguably you could say my impact is pretty large and I haven't had to be out there because what happens if I get sick not only do I have a full caseload of clients who I'd be kind of screwing over if I did get sick, um, but also you have all these other initiatives where my, my reach can potentially be very, very large Whereas my reach, you know, at in action, um that's one body in a sea of bodies. Right. so it's it's um on one hand, we we feel like, oh no, well, we have to do activism in this one way or we're not doing it at all. Um And I feel like there's a lot of shaming going on if you don't go out and do things. But ultimately, if you have an impact beyond being one body at one protest, um I would rather you have that larger impact then risk going out there if that's something that you're not comfortable with for whatever reason. Um, but I think it's a personal decision um, and it's just doing the math. Um, but I think the, the biggest piece of in this all is tuning into the compassion that you feel for justice. Once you feel that, that's the most important piece. It doesn't matter what you do, it's as long as you're in tune with that sense of urgency um, You know, Because really, uh, what Van Jones um, put it this way, I have CNN on my mind for whatever reason. I'm not a huge fan of of Van, um, but sometimes some of this stuff he says is is on point. He says, uh, he's talking about President Trump, and he's like, Trump is having such a hard time crafting even something to say because this is a populist uprising in the opposite direction. And I was like, that's exactly what this is. So as long as you're just in tune with those emotions— Those emotions of empathy, of compassion for people who are suffering um, due to anti blackness and really just the oppressed narrative overall, then the action um, will become pretty obvious. But you have to be in tune. And once you're in tune with those emotions, then you're also in tune with when you need to take a break. Mm -hmm. You're in tune with, okay, this news is like making me feel like crap. Um, And, you know, I don't want to feel like crap right now, you know, based on, you know, some news media who's telling me that I need to you know, do this or do that, or I'm not engaging in activism, I'm not doing anything. Um, Now is the time for creativity, Mm -hmm. but let it come from the same place, not from a place of guilt, because that's not compassion. That's, you know, if you're acting off of guilt, um, then you're doing, then that's doing something for yourself. So you're not actually really doing the work. Um, We might talk about that in allyship too. You know, yeah, yeah, I'm here, you know, I feel bad, I'm, I'm guilty, I'm here. But that, once I get rid of the guilt, okay, good, I checked the boxes, I wrote my diversity statement as some organization, right, or I reached out to my black friend. So, okay, now when that feeling of guilt is gone, now the energy has gone. Yeah. So, what was, what was the point? So, it's, it's first really going within, feeling what you feel about why you want to take action, why do you want to help people? Um, and then looking in your local community for things that are going on, because guess what? Um, this isn't, and this is coming from a mental health professional. You know, I've always knew that it was a thankless job, um, but it was never about getting thanks. It's about helping people. It's about freeing people from their minds. Um, you know, and in this case, freeing people's bodies, literally, um, so that's what it's about. It's not about being thanked. It's about doing what's right. And that's that true understanding of oneness. What hurts one hurts the whole. No one, you know, gives you a cookie when you take care of your sick child. Mm-hmm. You know, you just do that, you know, and that's the responsibility. So we're really, we're leaning into this, um, responsibility of oneness. And I think that conceptualization is important before even thinking about what to do, right. But as far as news media and things like that, I feel like they can be very, very out of, out of touch and make me feel guilt, make people feel guilty mm-hmm. when that's not the reality when you really look at it. But also, I have the the advantage of having a lot of contact with organizers and things that are going on, um, and, and and helping them. So I just see how many moving parts there are, and um, I would say you know being out there and being a body is. Um, here, I'll give you made up statistics, maybe about 30, 30 to 40 percent of it when there's so much more behind the scenes, um, like a friend of mine, a great friend of mine, uh, Byron Barber, uh, fellow um, organizer, um, he texted me and says, yeah, I'm handing out, um, you know, just uh, voter registration information uh, and information on Charles Booker, who we're hoping, um, you know, runs against Mitch McConnell. Um, in the state of Kentucky, um, which you change a lot. He's like, yeah, I'm looking to hand these things out. You know, can you help? You know, do this or do that this weekend? I'm like, well, no, I can't personally help. But here, let me see if I can sort of get you access to someone who is more of a distributor of certain things. Mm-hmm. I and mean, this person distributes don- food donations. So I said, well, can you distribute this? And maybe she will be able to. Maybe she won't. But also, you see how I'm sort of. Coordinating and whatnot, but you got to be engaged locally. Um, and, and you know, do your background research, see how you can get involved, and you'll see that oh, oh, shit, it's not just getting involved, um, by going out there, that's only one really small piece, right? Um, of the puzzle, an important piece, but definitely not the only and one. And that's what we see on the media is the
0: stuff that's like yeah. big and grand, and people are kicking over police barricades, and it's dramatic there might, you know, if you have that guilt, maybe a way is just to like, number one, understand that there's a lot of activism that might not set you over the edge. It might be stuff in envelopes. And that is valid and helps people as much as anything. Um, You know, and the news media doesn't cover the kind of mundane activist work. Um, And also social media doesn't. I mean, you see it just in our own stuff. Like I would argue like the meditation that, uh, that, that you recorded um, with me last week. And we put online um, specifically for activists dealing with race-based trauma, this meditation that you've created over the years, we put that out and it wasn't like, it wasn't no response, but it wasn't like, Oh my God, somebody just like kicked over a police barricade. Like, there's a lot of things to do. It might be doing meditation work. It might be sharing meditation work. It might be organizing um, meditation work. But nobody can tell you what that is. And there's a, I don't know what the psychological phenomenon is here. And you might have to like uh, tell us what is going on. Um, but there's a lot of white people with a lot of lists that are get, like, I, I have had a lot of white friends this week. Give me lists of things as a white person I should be doing. Mm-hmm. Should be. <laughs> I'm doing. not sure this is how it works.
1: <laughs> Pretty much. And, and and nobody knows anything right now. You know, we're we're so uh uncertain. You know what I'm saying? So to get hand a hand list this is what you should be doing. Like this just this is a time for creativity. Yeah. You know. But you know, once you're in tune with uh With I would keep saying I love the phrase this populist uprising when you're in tune with the emotions these sort of enough is enough Mm -hmm. people suffering and being held out um, you know uh, of society essentially being barred um, from the fruits of you know and the the rights to just uh, being human and being allowed to eat at the same table um, as people who are quote unquote above you. you know, we're done with that. There is no hierarchy, and that's bullshit. It's nonsense. So once you're tuned into that, and you can see it within yourself, how you're sort of bowing down to the hierarchy, um, how, you know, your fellow humans are being pressed and oppressed, uh, you know, into obeying some imaginary hierarchy, we're all kind of collectively calling, we're calling bullshit because there's more of us, mm-hmm. and someone said it. Um, so so now how do we contribute to? uplifting more minds, uh, how do we contribute to sort of cleansing our voting system, uh, getting people in office who will uh, cleanse that that voting system, uh, how do we cleanse the minds of ourselves, sort of decolonizing our own minds, um, you know, for a white person that might look like uh, challenging racist beliefs. Uh, that are unconscious. For a black person, that might mean uh, challenging yourself to be more authentic and seek out more spaces where you can be authentic. So you sort of do that work is um, sort of moving the needle, so to speak. It doesn't feel like much, um, but if everyone is doing one thing, then together we do it together. And the people forget that, yeah. now, myself included. Um it's just about mo- moving the needle in one way or another because uh, one is a part of the whole. Um, so just that energy and tuning into that energy um, and, and having that and wearing that um, you know, in ways that are accessible and sustainable for you, uh, that's really what, what it's all about. And this is something
0: that um, academics have been studying. I'm sure not just that, clinicians as well but I've seen a few studies recently, which is belonging to a collective is preventative and protective against post-traumatic stress, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, I see people, you know, who are having that trauma response where they're, they isolate or they overwork. And to me, it looks like they're really setting themselves up to be brittle. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you are doing real work, real activist work that challenges police, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you might get pushback. There might be confrontation. And uh, I yeah. I think the best thing you can do to protect yourself is to share this work you're doing. Make friendships. Bring people in close. Share the tasks. If you're tired and you know someone doesn't have something to do, say, hey, could you? Like this this week, I was doing some research. Um about just different uh, white supremacist orga- organizations that potentially could threaten um, marginalized communities in in the Seattle area here and I was I couldn't proofread anymore so I just asked hey to some of my friends could you look over this for me and let me know if it's ready to send out you know just sharing that and then they, they tap into what I'm doing it's a conversation we check in on each other the more and more of that you bring people in and you don't put it all on your shoulders, I would argue that it makes the work more effective and it is protective mm-hmm. against burnout and, 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 and post-traumatic stress if there is another event. If you are on the streets and something else happens, or just in your personal life, we're all going through stress mm-hmm. through all kinds of things, living under capitalism already, plus COVID, plus everything else, bring mm-hmm. people in. The answer is not holding up and going into overdrive.
1: It's really not. It's it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And then it's the opposite of the goal. Right. The goal is to be able to help people. Well, if you're going into overdrive, if you're not sort of uh, doing the rest to work ratio, um, if you're not doing that math, then you're going to get tired. And then when you get tired um, and you're cut off from your emotions and then folks say, well, I don't have any emotions right now. It's go time. He's like, well, I'm sorry, but you're a human. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Um, welcome to the party. Um, it, it is what it is. So like get your ass home and do some <laughs> resting because if you're not fresh, uh, then your work isn't going to be grounded in sort of the emotional tones of what's going on because you're not tuned in. Um, so when you rely on others in that way, you can also tune yourself in by connecting also. Um so everyone's just kind of like, yeah, like we're all really tired. Oh, wow. So we're all tired. So it's not just me. And we're admitting that. Mm-hmm. I thought everyone else wasn't tired at all, which is why I was like, you know, really, really burning the candle at both ends. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's also the gaslight that is America. That's capitalism. It's individualism. Right. Oh, everyone's working harder than you. So then it keeps us sort of, you know, in this, oh, crap, uh, I'm insecure. That uh, I need to be more productive. Or uh, da. Um, But when we start really talking to each other, we're like, oh, shit, wait a second. And in a way, that's sort of divide and conquer ideology. Mm -hmm. Nobody likes their nine to five jobs like that. Nobody wants to work in that way. I don't care what you do. People say, oh, well, I love my job. He's like, bro, you don't want to spend 40 hours a week doing that. Do you want to live with your family? Do you want to have connections? Do you want to do art? Do you want to you know, go to you know, look at art. Like, do you want to live or do you want to work? And, and when you present that argument and it's real, or, or you know that choice, it's realistic. You know, but when you're used to doing the opposite of it, it doesn't seem so realistic. Yeah. So when you're saying, "Oh, I am tired," you're like, "Oh crap, I wasn't supposed to say it." So it's just, it's just this brainwashing that productivity um, is uh, is God, so to speak. But that is capitalism. So it's funny, and I think you had mentioned to this me to me, um, you know, as uh, in one of your voice notes ahead of, and uh, I almost called this a session. Um, it's therapy for me. Um, we're wanting to tear down capitalist ideas, but then we're approaching activism from this productivity capitalist mindset. We're wanting to tear it down. Something. With the same idea, ideology of the thing we're trying to tear down, that's kind of a mindfuck. But once we can see that, then we're like, oh, okay. We're all supposed to take care of each other and make sure everybody eats, everyone's well rested, and that we reach out and rely on each other, mm-hmm. you know, to support this collective goal for which you individually will get no credit. Mm-hmm. Because even that credit is fleeting because it's not all about you. It's about the collective mm-hmm. together. That's oneness. Yeah. But when you make it about you and you want the accolades or whatever, you're just promoting more capitalism. You're promoting more white supremacy, you know, this and that. So I think that's, all, that's a tricky sort of thing that I think we have to wake up from. Um, it's either we all make it or none of us do. And we're all special, um, you know, or none, or none of us are, um, every, every single person. Um, and I think that's an empowering message uh, on the one hand for someone who feels like they can't have an impact. And then I think it's empowering for the person who knows they can have a huge impact but just needs to take a fucking break. Yeah. And like, oh, oh, wait a second. I can just empower others to do this stuff, mm-hmm. which is the big reason why I just talk and teach is because I just want everyone to know exactly what I know. Yeah. So then, okay, now I don't have to carry any of this out like by myself. You know, it's just, um, it, yeah, and it's just something that that doing things that I know I can do effectively, um, that I'm confident in, um, which is really you know like I could fit it on maybe one one hand. Um, so it's nothing complicated that that you and I are are doing here. Um, there's just a certain energy, a certain ideology, I think, that, um, grounds this more so into the new world rather than the old world, Mm -hmm. which is a very uncertain shift to make. And you and I don't even know what that would look like, but we know what it doesn't look like, like, like the old one, you know?
0: And even if, even if you're like a big capitalism person, even if you're a conservative, um, I'll say even just to create an anti and not not that I think there's a million conservatives who are burning themselves out on on activism right now, but Mm -hmm. even if you're not all into all of this perspective, just on the psychological perspective, I would argue that in order to have the tools to be able to see racism and to see what is and to be able to just see how people are affected um, and to have you need that to be able to have that empathic response you need to be able to not be exhausted all the time when you're especially for white folks for white allies if you are burnt out to the brim you it's subtle you know I mean it's not, sometimes it's subtle but be, be, sometimes it's not subtle but to, in order to like be able to like feel through racism, which is I think the biggest tool that you can use to navigate these waves is to have an open heart and an open mind and to have that sense of calm and groundedness so you can have these conversations, so you can see what is for other people. You know, you kind of have to be a little bit of a therapist to be able to really navigate. You know, you have to be able to like, just see feel yourself, feel your yourself and see where somebody else is at. And, it, and that takes a moment of being. It doesn't look like working 60 hours a week and burning yourself out. So it, there is this idea. And it's nothing new. I mean, for generations, activists have been in this mindset. Like, it's all on me. I am the vanguard. If I don't do this change, the whole world won't change. What we're seeing right now is that when people do that by themselves and you have an activist movement that's really isolated – Nothing changes. It's just nothing, but because it's just the same. Yeah, no, and and when you have Mm. the ability to just sit and be with other people, as we are with COVID, and experience, and with empathy and an open heart and that place of stillness, things shift radically. And I don't think yet we are really pointing to the importance of having that emotional. Openness and awareness. I think so much of this moment is about having that. And it's just, you're going to lose a lot if you throw that out the window. Value your rest. Your rest is more valuable than than you know um, if somebody is struggling mm-hmm. with that. Um, and doing like a... good car can't run on no gas. Yeah, doing a little bit a day is okay. Maybe there are moments where it's like, oh my goodness, like when it, this thing started, I was in that moment, I was in that time. Right. I was like, oh, my God, Mm -hmm. you know, militia guys are in my town and the high school kids are doing BLM protests. Oh, my God, we better get it together. Well, we got it together. And then after five days, I was able to sleep and call my therapist and call my psychiatrist and figure out what the game plan is and then get back to creating structured time for impact work. For difference making, mm-hmm. right? For me, that's been the biggest clutch thing is just making the structure time. Okay, three, I got three mm-hmm. hours to do this today. Mm-hmm. How am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. I got two hours today. And after two hours, I got to go because I got to rest. But that structure time, being back on a schedule, mm-hmm. this is, we're, we're not talking. This isn't, you know, racism isn't going to go away in three days, you know, when everybody watches mm-hmm. four more Netflix documentaries. Mm-hmm. You know, this is decades of work. <laughs> America has woke it's a long time. America has woken up that there's work to do and this is gonna be generations
1: of work. Mm-hmm. You know? And just like you're saying, like that uh emotional attunement, mm. sometimes that's well not sometimes, let me not, not qualify it every time. It's really everything. Uh if you are in tune with yourself, then you tune in to the collective, you know, as, as Carl Jung would, you know, talk about the collective uh, unconscious. That's kind of what he's talking about. When you tune into just what you're feeling in reaction to what's going on and uh, just globally. When you tune into that and you hit the sort of ground floor of feeling past all of your thoughts and opinions. But this is just truth. This is what I feel. That's likely what a lot of other people are feeling. So then when you can tune into that, and everyone can tune into that, then we're all feeling the same thing. Um, and then we start thinking the same things, and we start doing the same things. So a lot of people will say, and I've always wanted to say this somewhere live, usually it's just in passionate conversations and one-on-one, when people say I'm being logical, they can't be because emotions rule your conscious thoughts. Let me say that again. When you think you're being logical, oh I'm being logical. I'm I'm giving you an a uh, dispassionate mm-hmm. analysis based on my thoughts. Well your thoughts reflect your emotions. Mm-hmm. So if you're scared, you have you know, you have fear-based emotions. You're happy, you have or excuse me, when you're scared, you have fear-based thoughts. When you're happy, you have happy thoughts. When you're sad, you have sad thoughts. So your emotions drive everything, wh- whether you like it or not. So when you tune into what you're actually feeling and you start seeing thoughts as reflections of emotions, then you tune into that, then you can see really dig past, what am I unwilling to feel? So if I am, uh, you know, if I'm a white person and I'm like, what's the big deal, blah, 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 then actually if I sit down reflecting and I feel what I'm feeling, I might feel, oh crap, I'm uncomfortable. I feel guilty. I feel sad. So then the sort of what's the big deal thoughts that were happening before were actually you just uncomfortable and cutting yourself off from those emotions. But the thoughts reflect that. So you might feel sad and then your thoughts might reflect sad thoughts. But then, okay, now I feel compassion. Now I can sort of jump into action. And it's sort of that's how our emotions um, that, natural, that global tone of emotions really guides us to sort of do every, do one thing at the same time in unison. How is it that all these, all these different places are doing the same thing in unison? It's because we're tuning into a collective emotional experience that's there, that's valid and clear to everybody, and the only folks who aren't jumping in are the ones who are denying uh, that they feel those things because they're not leaning into... Uh, those natural emotional responses and having that time slowing down into themselves um, and I think that really goes for, for any cultural group, black folks included, because um, I know some black folks who are kind of like, eh, you know like, yeah, well, yeah and the people are finding out that racism existed I already knew, well I guess that's that, I'll keep doing what, you know, what I've normally done and not, you know, cared about these issues or speak out or anything like that um, but, uh, you know, that's not I'm not just saying that to, you know, criticize black people who might be like tired and need to need a break. You know, I'm saying that some, you know, anybody can cut off from these collective emotions and not be aware of them. So it doesn't promote the base level emotional content that's needed to sort of jump into action, whatever that might be. That's the fuel But also on the flip side of that, I'd encourage folks, if you're aware of those emotions and they're too intense for you, that is okay. Like, this is like a revolution, 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 okay? It's a great awakening in many different ways. Um, That can be overwhelming. So sometimes you need to reset Mm -hmm. that. Um, very famous, um, well, fa- famous to all of our, all of the, uh, the nerds in academia, I guess, but uh, for a uh, um, uh, bit of a big brother kind of mentor figure to me, Enrique Neblet, um, he had taken some time away. You know, not not being as vocal on social media as things were happening. And then he comes out, he, then he starts coming out like a few weeks later, just like flaming everybody. And he's like, goes through this whole thing. This is how I was feeling. And then I realized that I was feeling this way. So he was doing this exact process because he knew that if I didn't take that time, and this is, a, you know, a, a black man like in academia fighting for liberation too. So even him, he had to reset feel what he was feeling, and let his actions be guided from a place of emotional wisdom and attunement within himself rather than just what he was supposed to do just as things were happening. And I think this looks different um, really for everyone. Intention isn't to invalidate anyone. My intention is to guide people inward to really tune in in that way as comfortable. Because, you know, to your point, folks with, um, with, with mental health issues... Right? I think that's difficult when there are overwhelming feelings, so we really want to be mindful that okay, I might need more rest mm-hmm. um, than other folks um you know at this current place in time um and we talk uh you know you you and i have have talked off the air um about uh well my uh, former therapist who wouldn't talk about me with diagnose diagnostic stuff because my whole problem was wanting to know everything mm-hmm. um but uh, we, we talk about uh, my potentially being on the bipolar spectrum and I sort of noticed that I have like that extra like upkick, like that pressured speech so like uh, uh, it's like you feel it. So I'm like tuning into that right now and I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And, and like I know that because I'm aware of it, but also like being prepared for the crash right. and understanding that and being in tune with myself. Mm-hmm. Um so I think it's for everybody, and you, there's no perfection here. You're not going to find the perfect thing to do. Yeah, it just won't the, to feel just right. Yeah. Like it's just not going to happen. And there's a lot of you know? the
0: people with the lists are making sure you know are calling people out for not talking, and I you know I think this is a tricky thing. I think there's a lot of nuance because there are conservatives who aren't talking because they're conservative and they're hiding. <laughs> Go call those people yeah. out. But did you see did you see a Chappelle's special?
1: Oh dude, I gotta so, watch it. Yeah, it, tonight, it came man. out. It came I out at, at like eleven excited.
0: o'clock. Last, it, was, it was like what, like a midnight your time or mi- one in the morning uh. your time. But he has a whole thing. I don't want I don't, those spoilers. But he he yeah, talks yeah. about ex- not exactly this, but he didn't say anything for two weeks, and he was saying, mm-hmm. "You need me to say something. The the streets are speaking for themselves. You don't need. I mean, and his, so much of his commentary has been." was radical. I remember that's-
1: He's yeah, in Yeah, in 2001,
0: 2002, like that was the moment, and the, there was moment. There's that was an incredible moment too. So much amazing conscious hip hop that he was tied into that he had on his shows. He did so mm-hmm. much work to raise consciousness um, from a radical analysis about um, racial mm-hmm. politics mm-hmm. in America. And then people are calling mm-hmm. him out, you know, and yeah. yeah, yeah, his, yeah. his perspective was- I'm going to invalidate the streets. You don't need me. You don't need. It's not about Dave Chappelle. Seriously, it's man. about the people talking. Yeah, um, yeah,
1: and that's the the, the speaking thing too, because it's like um, if I say nothing, but I'm doing. You know, if I do, so I'll use someone like local. If because I know local activists who who have said nothing on social media, but are yeah on social media. Um, Because they're out there just feeding people. Like, they're not going to get an award, you know, for for that, you know. So what part... So sometimes, you know, using social media and speaking out can be a way of, um, yeah, just sort of, uh, you know, um, what's the word? Grandstanding, Mm -hmm. virtue signaling. Um, And it's done from that place of, of guilt. Yeah. And then, you know, if someone else isn't doing that, then that means they're not, like, doing anything. Um, But, uh, yeah, all these department statements, too, like, these academic departments, all these companies, like, saying a bunch of different shit. Well, they're saying things, but then, you know, look at their board of directors. You know what I mean? Like, so... well, Oh, so people who say things, you know, have a leg up on people who don't. Um, So I I think it's... uh, I think people get confused mm-hmm. in terms of understanding what liberation really is, what freedom really is. It's not a, it's not a fucking statement. About how you care about Black Lives Matter, um, or or you stand in solidarity. Like if you did, your your whole system wouldn't look the way it is. Okay, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, but they, but guess what? They have given no minority voices, no black voices. The enough power to say what they really feel and mean, so they're not going to get that feedback from every any black employees below them. Mm-hmm. Um, actual feedback is a loser jobs, but then also they gatekeep and won't let any black people at the table, yeah. you know, so they they can't even see the irony in, the, in their situation. This isn't a statement, um, and that's the other thing, too. Like, you get like, you'll lose money at this point if you don't have a statement. Yeah. I keep rolling my eyes when I look at, um, you know, I won't won't say any any names of apps or different things like that, but just, like, streaming apps or things. We stand in solidarity. I'm like, no, you fucking don't. You stand in solidarity because you know a bunch of fucking black people are watching this right now, and they're not, they're gonna, you'll potentially lose a shit ton of yeah. money if you don't say yeah. that. So, like, don't give me right. that. Like, and you can't be sure until time passes. Right. Or until stuff starts to change. But, um, yeah. There are people who are new to
0: the conversation looking at this stuff, and they can't tell the distinction of the grandstanding, right? Like, if you haven't been doing this work and haven't been connected for a long time, it's hard to tell what exactly is going on. And I'll just let you know, if you are new to this, and not that I'm the expert, right? I've just been around for a while, and I'm old and been doing activism activism since I was a teenager, so I have some perspective and um a lot of the people who are doing the grandstanding have really bad advice and then you know a million uh, guilty white people will retweet them because they're saying it with such force like i saw one person that said S- white people stop offering mentorships to black youth don't make it about you and i'm like okay, well i don't know about any of uh, anybody else's industry like maybe there's some industry where that's true. I don't know. In my industry, if you're a mentor for a, kid, for a kid trying to get into television, your mentorship means you help them shine up their resume and you make phone calls to get them interviews for PA jobs. And that is the most valuable thing you could do for somebody in their entire career. The first job is the hardest one. And if you're willing to go get coffee with a young, passionate person who wants to break into television... Don't tell people not to do that. <laughs> like, for your own, Seriously. for your own, like, I'm going to rail, ag- like, white people railing. Ag- you got, if you, if there's yeah. a thing, if you are into, like, if you feel in tune and there's something that you think will really yeah. help, you're not going to hit a home run every time, but don't just shut yourself down oh, and get man. stuck.
1: Exactly. It's contextual. Yeah. It's, it's so context based, man. It's, um, cause just like you're saying, that would empower. Oh, a young black person, and to change the industry. You
0: know, I mean, because then in twenty yeah. years, that per- in ten, in five years, that person's going to be able to hire somebody else. In five exactly. years, it could happen fast. But if you're like, don't make it about you. Only write checks, and I'm not honestly. I'm not seeing this kind of stuff from yeah. black folks to white people. I am only seeing it from very Protestant kind of you know non-ethnic white people giving us the. Mm-hmm
1: the yeah. shake of the finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like,
0: ah, I don't know. So, you know, don't let those don't let those folks uh, be your guiding light. You got to find your own to give yourself some time. Find the voices that resonate with you, who seem connected mm-hmm. and grounded. Mm-hmm. If somebody's posting yeah. a lot of just like I don't know. It's 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 so nuanced. So, I'm not even want to
1: say what to look it at. Is. It is. You got to feel it. You don't know. You got exactly. That's my that's my yeah, that's my at the end of the day. Just you got, you got to feel it and, uh, and not act from a place of guilt, act from a place of compassion. And you know the difference between the two. If you don't, if you don't feel sad about what's going on and you're trying to act, that's probably more like mm. guilt. Me trying to you know, sort of telegraph what I'm supposed to do to not be a bad person. Uh, if you feel sad... If you feel sadness for black people, if you feel sadness for oppressed communities and that makes you want to act, that's different. That's emotionally different. So it's really tuning into what valence emotionally you're using. Um, Is it avoidance or is it full-on engagement with my sadness uh, really for the suffering of the world and suffering beings? That will promote in-tune action. Mm -hmm. When you're just operating off of guilt, then you're just uh, you're trying to get rid of the a, a feeling that you are having rather than relieving the suffering of this other being. It's more about you than it is about them. Um, so when you feel sadness, um, then comes desperation uh, to do something to help relieve that suffering. And when you're relieving suffering, uh, you, you're not telegraphing what the other person needs you know as as a, as a therapist you are tuning into what they are feeling you are asking them you know what they need in those moments um and you know not in, a, in an overbearing way because a lot of people will take that and say oh i need to go out and ask black people what they need you know see, now that's the same thing um yeah you know guilt um so yeah yeah so so it's uh tuning into your own sadness um and, and, you know, for the person, you know, in therapy sitting across from me, I feel sad, you know, with this person. Mm-hmm. And now we're together in our sadness. I'm, I'm in tune with that. I'm in tune with these issues. And now from this space, I can understand this other person's reality as much as I possibly can because I'm trying to feel what they feel. I'm trying really, really hard to settle into that reality. And how painful is that? So now I have an idea, a small idea for how they feel. But then I, I you know, I um, sort of multiply that by, oh, every day I might feel this way, you know, times 10. Yeah. So then like, wow, that's what it's like. Oh, hell no. I got to do something. I got to, I got to, I think George Costanza, what did, he, what did he say? Like, help people. Why did I think of this? I'm going to help somebody, damn it. And it's just like this. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? I got to, I got to do something now. Um and that's the energy. There it is. That's realization. Yeah. You have to realize that. Um, but it's it's not going to be found in you know, in a in a list of things to do. Those are he- those are helpful in certain situations. But if you you don't have that that emotional attunement, then you know it only goes so far. Yeah. If any, and it
0: needs to have that spark, right? Like I mean, and mean, you might find that on the list, right? Like it. You could fi- see something on a list you're like, oh, I love doing that. Maybe I could do that and get better at doing that and develop myself as I'm, you know, creating an anti-racist community. That's the stuff that you want, you know? Like, it doesn't all have to be, you know, miserable grunt work, you know? <laughs> you know like, no, really <laughs> there's a lot isn't. of people out there that have beautiful gifts to share with the world um, that they love doing. It's okay if you love doing your activism, it's a good thing. It's mm-hmm. a it's okay if you leave doing activist mm-hmm. work more full than when you started.
1: Oh, dude. That's how I feel. You know? I'm having a that I'm having a blast.
0: <laughs> that's okay. Because this goes mm-hmm. back to goes back to this very puritanical American idea around work is that I must be miserable. I must be miserable and exhausted, or I didn't do it right. (laughs) And that's not going to... I must be punished. That's a part of how it got us into this mess. It's not the whole picture. Mm. It's a piece. Oh, it's (laughs) (laughs) a piece of it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because when you're working like that, guess what? You have a real hard time feeling empathy because you're so exhausted. And when we're set up in a society run on that, we're also isolated. So we don't see what our neighbor is going through who's different, right? Like we don't see everybody's different struggles. And then it's really easy for us to turn on right wing right wing radio and listen to Ben Shapiro rant about how somebody you know somebody else's experience is wrong because they didn't experience it. Well, the way out is a more a fundamentally more connected work environment that is rested, Mm. relaxed, and in tune, not always, but generally. Like there should be a base of Mm. wellness, and that is what is going to help us get out. And those things are also the base of mental health recovery. If you're a person Mm. who has been disabled by a mental illness, when you're coming out of that, not that you can't push, sometimes, but you need to have this base of okayness, this base of grounded I'm okay, Mm. and if something goes a little bit wrong, I'm not going to get fired, and the people around me are okay with me. There's just this base of, and and as a recovering workaholic myself, as somebody who, you know, if I didn't have 5 million people watching my show, I felt like a failure. So, you know, I know a little Mm. bit about, and I was cut off completely from my emotions. Like, I was politically engaged up here, But my body and my heart were clothed, and and working in that way, I lost everything because I got really sick. It is not the way Mm. to do it. My workaholism and work addiction absolutely contributed to my breakdown, absolutely was a big part of that, and um, you can't operate there forever and if you're operating there you're probably not building the world that's really going to get us out of this mess
1: mm mhm <laughs> that old adage fight fire with fire that never made sense to me <laughs> it doesn't make any sense <laughs> i think new answers are just harder to come up with because we're uncertain yeah it's uh it's interesting you say that it's like um cuz i see parallels in my own you know sort of story um I think society being cut off um, promoted just emotional misattunement with my parents and me, you know, perpetuated my dad's mental health issues, which perpetuated all of the mental health issues in our household. And then within that, uh, then we have to then go do the work to wake ourselves up, connect back to ourselves And how powerful that can be in terms of sort of riding the ship of generational pains, not just within one family, but within our global family. So, one person tuning in, waking up to their emotions, waking up to uh, their humanity, Um, just one, just that one person, it's sort of again, it moves the needle for us globally. Um, But I think. yeah just like racist you know all this like oh 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 yeah yeah now we're all going to say everything at once i think uh toxic masculinity is the next to go like and i and i kind of want to i kind of want to riff on that i know that wasn't on on our script so to speak but i kind of think i want to say something i think something. we should do a contest you know, i think it, we should it, do a contest who could have the longer rant yeah. okay <laughs> okay all right uh yeah man it's uh i don't know where where it'll go but you were gonna riff on toxic masculinity. Like, yeah, yes, I give you. Yes, yeah, please. it's <laughs> please, please, it's bullshit. It's it's bullshit. It's this. It's this disgusting gaslight of oh well, I don't, I don't have any feelings, and I'm a man. Uh, so then I have a son, and I'm gonna you know basically tell him tonight I have any feelings because if he has feelings. Then I'm going to see that reflected into myself, and then I'm going to be reminded of that. I the fact that I actually have feelings, so I'm going to punish him for displaying any feelings, okay? And then society is going to uh, also reflect back to this kid that you're not supposed to have feelings because that's not how men are supposed to act. It's thinking what you're supposed to be rather than just being and not allowing ourselves to just be human, there, there's not something, I'm not saying, oh, you know, someone says, oh, in tune your emotions, like, oh, I'm not a girl or blah, 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 blah. It was like, bro, mm-hmm. like, well, well, hold on a second. You have tear ducts. Uh, you're getting very agitated all of a sudden when I'm talking about emotions. Like, you're actually becoming quite hysterical <laughs> in this moment. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then in that way, it, you can see the sensitivity, the vulnerability That's there that's being disowned moment to moment to moment and similar to, you know, racism um, being called out as bullshit and, and as, you know, just societally. And then black people are like, you know, you see, like, this is, what, this is what we have to have to deal with. You know, I think the same thing goes with toxic masculinity. It's time. Like, that's bullshit. You're a person. You have feelings. You get sad. You feel tenderness. You feel all that shit. And guess what? I know that you feel all that shit. I know it. You know, and you know it. You know, you know, so it's I think that's um, that's sort of, uh, you know, just time for radical truth telling. Yeah. I think this this is what these times are reflective of is exactly that across the board. And until we get over our our our, our uh, insecurities, our illusions about what we're supposed to be, um, once we can get through that um, by, you know, just, just hearing the truth, considering the truth, going within, um, then that's you. You don't need to stand, you know, in the middle of Central Park and say, I'm a man and I have feelings and I cry. No one needs to do that you know just sit with yourself see what you are and then oh that's all it really takes but it's enough it's enough with the illusions that that to- toxic masculine crap it ruins the whole world and it's such an insecure just nonsensical thing that's rooted in i feel vulnerable and not good enough mm-hmm. and i'll hold those feelings we'll all hold those feelings together But what you're not going to do is go out there and treat women like Mm -hmm. shit. What you're not going to do is go out there and bully people or rise to power so you can bully people to cope with your own damn insecurities. You know, it's obvious to everybody that that's some insecure ass Mm -hmm. shit. You know, it's obvious to everybody and it's even obvious to the person who's inflicting that pain, but they don't know they're they're so afraid of owning their humanity um, that they're just going to continue to hurt other people instead of just owning their shit and going, go do your, uh, your personal work, um, you know, behind the scenes. If you really want to, you know, be a man, how about you just go be brave enough to feel uncomfortable and feel emotional pain or admit that you feel fear sometimes. And in that way fear isn't the absence of fear. That's nonsensical uh fear is the complete and total acknowledgement and acceptance of fear you become fearless when you're not afraid to feel fear that's the same thing with any emotion you know courage being you know be, having courage being brave is is owning reality but you got so many men out here so out of touch with reality because they're afraid but trying to avoid that fear the fact that they are afraid based on some idea that they're not supposed to be afraid um but you know who invented the, you know the culture of toxic masculinity? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, it sure is how it wasn't a psychologist, you know, who knows about emotions. It was some insecure fool who's tricked you into believing. Hence, it is insecure ass shit, you know. So, um, yeah, I am curious. I guess that, that's my rant, man. That was a pretty long yeah, one. Yeah,
0: let's see. I, ca- I took it's. Uh, hmm. Oh yeah, four minutes. I I wonder about how it happened too, because it's like. It's really a whole nother level in the Pacific Northwest. Like it is a very white construct, I think. I think it's like in that same vein of with the workaholism and the whole, it's a culture of overwork, over, you know, disassociation. Um, And as we talk about, you know, the more I think, and the more like I am experiencing my time post-recovery from disabling mental illness, the more I realized that my mental illness was really just not knowing how to handle or process emotions, not knowing how to be with what was. So there was, there was a moment in my life where I was dealing with all kinds of personal turmoil, broken relationships on top of professional stress that involved, you know, high risk uh, situations all over the world where I was shooting with vice with Palestinian car thieves and fucking Russian serial killers and on top Mm -hmm. of regular stress, on top of exhaustion. That was, you know, and it wasn't that my brain necessarily was a little bit broken. It was just like not having, it was that I was doing extraordinary things. and I did not have the way to cope with them. And that just Mm -hmm. broke my body and it broke my mind, not knowing that. Now, post-recovery, now that I have that and I understand how to sit with and be with what is there's like another type of seeing that is this um what is you called it emotional attunement this look i don't maybe i don't know maybe this is the way we sell it to guys who just like want superpowers but it is a bit of a superpower because you can read people and you can read a room and you can read a moment you you can read social media what is the appropriate thing to say right now oh i don't want to like have that finger, you know, the, the fingernails on a, on a chalkboard moment when I post or when I sit, well, there's a way for you not to be guessing, and that is to develop your skills of emotional attunement. Mm-hmm. And part of that is also being emotionally in tune with yourself, which is hugely, it's hugely helpful for your own recovery. It's also huge just for working in the world and with people and in your relationships, like there's no downside. I, I think maybe we need to rebrand the toxic masculinity idea. I'm fine with it. I don't care. I've been harassed by jocks since I was like 10 years old and, you know, been beaten for being like not quite manly enough. Um, so I don't really care. You want to throw guys under the bus who are, t- but the guys that need to hear it, you say toxic masculinity, they
1: lose it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> because you're, you're poking something. <laughs> That's that's true.
0: <laughs> so you say don't change it. Don't change I mean? the name. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well yeah. Well well then again, you know, and I realize again, I just have I have too much of my dad yeah. in me. She she's just like I'm an I'm an agitator, I'm a rabble <laughs> rouser. Um if I can poke something and help you realize that it's mm-hmm. there, and you know that that's what it is. But if there are other ways that people will listen, yeah, that's great too. Um but uh yeah, man. Yeah. And I think um you know, just just with my own journey as well, uh, you can be masculine, you know, masculinity isn't bad. Uh non-attuned masculinity can cause harm, you know, if uh, you know, masculine energy and I and I think um this is sort of uh you know dipping into um I believe it's it's Taoism a little bit, just uh or Taoist culture. Um, where you sort of have the two energies, the feminine and masculine energies, or receptive and creative, you know, sort of nurturing versus like doing, doing versus being. Um, without the being, without the feminine receptive energies, which we all have within us, you know, male or females, gender doesn't matter, um, then they sort of work in unison. If I am. Uh, running down a road, and I don't know where I'm going, and I'm running past all of the signs that would tell me in maps where I'm going. Then what am I running for? So if I slow down and I look, now I know where to run, and that's one of the biggest things that I found since you know starting my meditation practice about four years ago uh, was that ability to tune in and watch and receive. And then once I really receive with that level of attunement, then when I start to do, you know, say things in a very masculine way, uh, the doing is grounded Mm -hmm. in what is. And that doesn't mean me as a man. That also means for women, too, being able to not be so receptive, but do more. Mm You know, so I think we have this great imbalance, which we think that, oh, men are supposed to like do, 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 go, 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 don't receive. And then women are supposed to receive, receive, Mm -hmm. receive, receive, don't do anything. Um, But Yeah, I think we all have these, these both of these, you know, be capacities to be and to do. But we all need both of those uh, to really live our lives, being able to emotionally, you know, just receive listen, be, follow, uh, but then to lead, to do, to be bold, to destroy something, to create, to protect. I um, think all these energies are, are very accessible and within us it's just about feeling into the energy that you think you know, might be out of balance, out of whack. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that in our society, usually it's men who are imbalanced and don't do enough receiving, and then it might be women who don't do enough doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, but I, I'm sure that's different for everybody, and nothing is all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, everything's on a spectrum. Yeah. Um, it's really food food for, for thought, food for feeling.
0: But the good news is, The good news is that no matter if you're a person in recovery or not and you're engaging in activism or not, your actions are more effective, more grounded, help the world more, help yourself more, help your own recovery, help the people around you if you are okay with being exactly who you are. That's the good news, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because who else are you gonna be? You can't be anything else. <laughs> a lot of people I'm sorry. Those people
0: out there in this country, Dr. Broderick, are trying to be somebody yeah. else very, very badly. <laughs>
1: not not very free. Well, you can run on that hamster wheel until, you know, until 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 you die. Yeah. You know, so that's uh a lot of people n- it's not about, I think, we, oh, we talked about this earlier today. We kind of, I was talking about a, a client that I, I saw this week. Uh, th- this client, I was teaching them meditation and just a mindful attitude towards traumatic experiences. Um, and then I remember explaining this just sort of do nothing and observe your experiences, right? So I'm trying to make it mean something and just sit back and watch and, and be. And then they were like, I hear what you're saying, but it's so opposite to me culturally, because I want to do something, but you're telling me to not do anything. And then in that way, you learn who you are. When you stop trying to do, when I stop trying to do a Broderick and act out of Broderick, Broderick already is, that's redundant, when I settle into what I am, it feels so natural and it feels effortless because I am that. Yeah. But when you're doing, 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 you feel that that, that striving, that effortful, ugh, you know, you got a mask on, you know, it's just being exactly who you are in the present moment and being that and observing that. Uh, and then that will then guide the action with that with that careful observation when you're not Again, like trying to perform a Broderick. I'm going to do a Broderick. Okay. You know. And
0: you, and in one step, if people are like, what the hell? How am I supposed to slow down and stop and just take a moment? Well, we got you covered. Check it out on the mental, wherever you get this feed, the mental radio. If you're looking on, if you're watching on Twitter, on Facebook, check out mental radio, wherever you get podcasts. We've got um, one po- one guided meditation that you did called uh, Introduction to Meditation Breathwork. And then this week, we are also doing an introduction to mindfulness um, that you hosted uh, for us, a guided meditation into mindfulness. Great places to start. You don't even, you, you don't have to do a whole bunch. You just have to dedicate a little bit of time, and you can start being. You can dip your toe into the river of being. It's right there. Free for anybody uh, uh, to use. Just subscribe, and uh, and if you could give us a little bit of a share, that would help. They, uh, it, it's a, it, the it's the 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 more you share the meditations, if you like them, the easier it is for other people to find. So please uh, please do that. Anything you want to say about those meditations? If people are looking to Ooh, get into the state of yeah. being,
1: yeah, if they want to, if they heard this philosophy, you know that we're 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 laying down. If you want to embody, because, you know, what, we, what I usually hear is, yeah, easier said than done. Mm. Well, if you understand what we're saying, you hear what we're saying, you understand on a philosophical level, but you want to embody it, go meditate. You know, go use these practices, you know, that we're putting out. And then you can embody the philosophy. That's all you got to do. That's it. Just every day. You sit down. You embody, and then you remember the philosophy every day. You breathe, you slow down, and you tune into that feeling. And I'll do this for for listeners. I tripped out another client this week (laughs) by doing this. Um, (laughs) You know that feeling that you and I, Jesse, are sitting here right now in the comfort of our spaces. And literally in this moment, in this moment, nothing's wrong like we're safe, we're okay. And then that I'm talking, there's a Broderick sort of talking, I'm not planning what I'm going to say, I'm just sort of here. And a Broderick is happening, listening is happening, you know, two bodies are in, are in a space, there's internet streaming, there's are just things that I'm in my chair, and all these things are happening, at the same time, including thoughts. So it can feel a little trippy, but that's the zoom out potential that your consciousness has. Your consciousness isn't just thoughts, your consciousness is awareness of everything at the same time. And when you can see everything at the same time that's happening in the present moment, um, then you have sort of a, an open window you have more space to relax when you have that sort of ability to lean back into presence of the present moment where truly uh, there are many more moments of non-suffering yeah. than there are moments of suffering. When you realize that and you learn how to sit back from your thoughts, every moment of non-suffering can become joy and celebration. You know, and, that, and that's really the, the core of of self realization, understanding it's a, it's a it's a spectrum. I'm not some enlightened guru, right? People that get all the way enlightened. It's not all or nothing. Um, once you just understand, you know that I can sit back and just be and be present with everything at the same time and relax in that and feel right here, right now. Like oh, nothing's wrong. And oh, those are just thoughts. Those are happening, but I don't have to pay attention. To those exactly. And then the meditation practice is just learning to not pay attention to those thoughts as much. And then laying back into that space is easier. Um, and for listeners right now, I'm sure you can tune into that feeling that we're here right now and that things are happening. And it's trippy, but that's the secret. That's the secret. You have an ability to do that. And you're listening, you're like, what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah. It's something that's always been there. Yeah, You know, but now I'm just naming it and telling you how to use it to suffer less. And then it's, I don't think it's that much more complicated than that. It's just about the diligence and the practice.
0: And yeah, that is the feedback I get from your meditations. And I feel it It is vibrating right now. I don't know if you're vibrating at home, but I am feeling the vibration. And if you feel a little bit of that, know that there's more of that waiting for you over, uh, with Dr. Broderick's, uh, meditations i'm going to make them the first like two episodes of season two uh for mental radio just so they're easier to find but uh yeah lean into the vibrations there um when you are ready um dr broderick always an honor thank you for sharing your wisdom today
1: yes yes thank you man thank you as well and
0: uh we will see everybody next week peace out Thanks for listening to the podcast, everybody. Uh, If you'd like to support Mental Radio, please share our content. Um, That way, we can get the message out. It helps us. If when you share, it helps our visibility on Spotify and on iTunes. Um, But the best way we can get visibility is for you to share on your feeds and with your friends and family who you think this content might help. And uh, if you'd like to get further involved, you'd like to get more involved, see how you can support us. You can check us out over at mentalhealthmedia.org. As always, nothing on the podcast is intended to be medical advice or medical care. You got to talk to your mental health care practitioner before making any changes to your mental health care plan or really just do anything with your mental health care. You don't also don't want to, you know, delay in getting care if you're Feeling really stressed out? You're not feeling good. You don't want to listen to this podcast as a way to uh, supplement. You know your healthcare. The podcast is just about you know helping people get new ideas to see what might be possible, and then take their ideas to work with a mental health care professional. Um, you know we are not that for you. Um, our podcast uh, is, is just not a replacement um, for medical care. So talk to your people. Get that, uh, that that healthcare going, and uh, and then plug into us and see uh, what kind of things you can figure out to to bring to to your therapist, to your psychiatrist, to your uh, healthcare provider, to see uh, what what else is out there. That's what this is. This is what this podcast is, is all about. Um, but, but thanks for tuning in. As always, our executive producers, A.V. Flocks. with a special thanks to Tom Trottier, Tamara Broadhead, and Patrick Mohan. Thank you to all of our GoFundMe supporters, um, which you can join over at Mental Health Media if you want to join this list. Um, Mekki M., Carolina P., Ryan P., Chip and Nads, Metal D., Tall Paul M., uh, Joel R., Ben G., Vinny R., Patty M., Sean H., Linda E., Franklin G, John P, Sophia M, um, Jackie M, Rob S, Rose P, Jeannie A, Handy H, Tim W, Stephanie P, Patrick L, Stephen J, Judy B, David L, Stuart M, Jim E, Cash G, and Sean D, uh, The Smo, Alex B, Marilyn S, Colin F, Lauren B, Patricia M, Phil A, and Ivan M. Uh, the music is now Total Meltdown by Total Meltdown. Some of my buddies um, over at uh, in New York, in Brooklyn, friend, my friends, some of my friends that I've been friends with for now 25 years in the hardcore scene. Um, check them out. Spotify, Total Meltdown. Put on Sp- Total Meltdown in the Spotify. You'll find them. Uh, Their full first uh, EP is also on YouTube um, for free. So check them out. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take care of yourselves and look out for each other. Zyga